if I have at least changed one person's perception uh, and growth within themselves and knowing what's right and is their body, then my work is done. I'm happy to be burnt to a place to do that. I was really keen to chat with Hank's co-founder, Farah Kabir, a South Asian woman creating condoms. I thought that was very unusual because you don't see many of us South Asians in the sex positivity space. Once we got chatting, I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Farah. We talked about how the world wasn't created with women in mind. We talked about condoms that looked after vaginas better. And we discussed the stigma around sex education and female sexual pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this chat as much as I did. Sharam, Chi Chi. I'm Sangeeta Pillai and this is the Masala Podcast, a Spotify original where we talk about all those things that we're not supposed to talk about as South Asian women. Sex, sexuality, periods, menopause, mental health, nipple hair, shame and many more taboos. Join me around my virtual kitchen table as I talk with some incredible women from around the world, exploring what it means to be a South Asian feminist today. Hello and welcome to Masala Podcast. Today we have with us Farah Kabir, who is the co-founder of a sexual wellness brand called Hanks. Welcome to Masala Podcast, Farah. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, wow. So I think it, we can safely say that we've never had anyone on the podcast who is a creator of condoms and sexual wellness products and who happens to be South Asian. So welcome. <laughs> Thanks. It's an honor to be on this platform. <laughs> Farah, let's start by um, talking a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up and, you know, a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So um, by background, my my parents are Bangladeshi, so I am Bangladeshi, but I was born in the UK, um, up north in the north of England, um, in quite a Western town, so not much multiculturalism, quite a small Asian community. And I'm the youngest of four, so I have two brothers and a sister. We're all super close. And um, yeah, I, I feel like I have a very vanilla background in that sense. So uh, raised up north, I went to university, I went to Durham University. I have to say, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And I, and I, it's only up until I started Hanks, I knew what I wanted to do. But before that point, didn't really know and and naturally I'm sure you get this a lot but my dad wanted me to be a doctor just like every, most of the parents <laughs> and I really didn't want to be a doctor um so last minute I sort of switched my course uh, before I went to uni and switched to finance and studied finance um loved being at uni actually quite enjoyed finance but I wasn't passionate and it's not something I really wanted to go into uh, but I did, and I fell into finance. So I worked in investment banking for over seven years um, before starting Hank. So quite a, a quite a, a plain upbringing, I'd say, to take me up until this point. Well, so tell us about Hanks. How did how did that start? It is isn't Hanks the first female friendly condom in the world? Uh, yeah, so we're the first female founded brand and product specifically designed for women. Um, now that's not to say that we're excluding men or any other communities. 
uh, we're just addressing a market that just hasn't been spoken to for so long. Um, so I was actually working in banking at the time and I was at an age where lots of my friends were also on contraceptives, most of them being on the pill or the coil or some form of IUD and lots of them having different side effects, um, including myself, uh, side effects such as weight gain, mood swings, skin changes, all very common. And it's quite funny, actually, because when you look at what's happened with the vaccine, there's, there's these scares about blood clots in such, you know, small numbers that aren't really relative. When you compare that to the pill and the rates of blood clots, it's so much more common and higher numbers, but yet there's never really been an outburst for this. Anyway, I, I, I digress slightly, but um, we spotted a gap in the market. Ultimately, if you're not on hormonal contraceptive or you're actively dating um, and you want to prevent not only pregnancy and SCIs, the condoms are the option for you. However, if you go down that condom aisle, it's garishly packaged. The products promote man's conquest with awful names like Johnny Big Boy and Trojan. And the ingredients are awful. And as a, as a woman or a consumer generally, you're baffled by the choice. Like between dotted, ribbed, LED, light up, like it, it can be a, a bit confusing and quite stressful because it's still an embarrassing category or aisle to be down. No one wants to be there uh, for very long because they don't want to get caught. Um, and that's ultimately what happened to me. I got caught buying condoms on my lunch break by my boss and I was absolutely mortified. And I was explaining this to my co-founder now, Sarah. So Sarah is a good friend of mine. We grew up uh, up north together, went to university together. Sarah is a gynecology doctor. Uh, so we have very different backgrounds and careers. And she was saying to me that actually a lot of women coming into her clinics um, had hard to treat STIs or they expected the man to carry the condoms. And this was at a time when like Bumble, Hinge, Tinder were all blowing up. So people were going on lots of dates. Um, and we sort of had a brainwave there. And then we thought, oh my God, we need to create a product with women in mind. Um, and we were still in our full-time jobs. So we were so excited at the prospect, you know, researching the market and understanding that actually no one was serving women. There were a few cool brands in the US, but across Europe, it was just one big player. Um, and that's sort of the, the genesis of Hanks and how we got started. Brilliant. We didn't talk about contraception in the 80s, in the India that I grew up in. We liked to pretend that no one had sex and babies were made by magic. From what I remember, there was just one brand of condoms and it was made by the government. It was called Nirod, which literally translated into protection. It came wrapped in this sterile, medical-looking packaging with old-fashioned images of a conservative-looking couple on the front. They were holding hands but with a lot of distance between their bodies. Back then in India, we weren't quite ready to associate condoms with sex. In fact, condoms were seen as deeply unsexy, almost clinical. I remember when things changed. Suddenly in the early 90s, there was this really sexy condom ad for a brand called Kama Sutra, of course. I remember the shock and delight I felt. There was this sexy, sensual woman on TV with wet hair holding a hand shower. And this woman looked like she wanted to have sex. 
Mind you, no one was naked and there was no actual sex in the ad. But in a hyper-masculine country that pretended sex didn't exist, a condom ad that showed a tiny bit of female pleasure was quite frankly revolutionary. Why do you think, like what you were saying, it's all these condom brands like Trojan and, you know, men and macho kind of, where does that come from? Why, how has that come to be? I mean, that's just life, isn't it? Sadly for us women, yeah. you find that across yeah. all categories. Like yeah, even when yeah. they're doing crash testing for cars, for God's sake, they never really consider a female body. It's always been, you know, male platform, not even yeah. Uh, pregnant or with boobs yeah I don't think we should accept that rhetoric I think you know there have been strides and we're now starting to shout about it more but sadly that has been the case and if you think leadership at the top is predominantly male heavy um as are all the big FMCG brands that represent some of the uh the products that we sit with um but yeah ultimately it's, it's really sad because when you look at just pulling apart the condom on its own for the reasons mentioned above, uh, you know, it's targeted at men, um, marketing-wise, but the product itself is as well. Like, there are products on the market that have anesthetics in them, and they are specifically designed for men because they have a numbing effect, so they make a man last longer. But no one's ever looked at how awful that can be for women, and our vaginas are quite delicate places, you know. So, we were shocked, as I'm sure you are hearing this. Yeah, I've got my mouth open and I'm like, so people making these things haven't considered that this goes into a woman's vagina? Exactly. And that like, is exactly what we're doing. We're thinking about a woman having sex. We're not thinking about... It's like there are two men. people here, yeah. you know. It's, it's not just the man. man. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, you know, what's really nice for us is even though we're addressing an underrepresented market, we're inclusive as a brand. And what we've seen is actually a load of men buy our product. Like even last month online, like sales are like nearly 40, I think it's like 45% of our buyers were men, which is so refreshing to hear. But because we're not excluding them, but equally, you're right. It's too, it takes you to tango. Like men use these products, like, but it goes in women. So you need to consider women in this whole journey. Exactly. So what kind of things did you consider when you were creating um, Hanks to yeah. make it friendly to women? Yeah, so, you know, we we had great careers. And also I come from a Bangladeshi Muslim background. So I needed to be so goddamn sure there was a market in this before going home and telling my mum that I was leaving banking and starting a Johnny company. So uh, for us, it was very, um, you know, we had to have an entrepreneurial mindset and make sure there was a market. So we surveyed 2,000 women across the UK to find out exactly what they wanted in a condom brand. You know, what was stopping them from buying condoms? If they had bought them, what didn't they like? And what did they like? What did they want from a condom brand if we were to create one song with women in mind? And the output was Hanks. So women care about um, sustainability. They care, and so do men to be fair, but this was from our market size. And uh, women care about the products they put in and on their bodies. You know, if you look at skincare brands or clean beauty, like your vagina should be as well treated as your face and any other part of your body um 
And they don't need a pink and girly product to prove that it's targeted women. They just want chic, neutral packaging. You know, something that aligns with beauty standards so that it will fit on your bathroom shelf easily without people questioning what it is. Um, And finally, they wanted to believe in a brand with a real and relatable tone of voice. If you look at at sexual health brands uh, generally, they are either too seedy, too male-related, or to telling off, like very like education culture, like you must use a condom or you'll get an STI or you'll die or you'll get like, it doesn't focus on actually what women want in this day and age and men. So that was how Hank started. So our first hero product was condoms. Um, They're vegan, they're ultra thin for maximum sensitivity. They're clean scented because we don't like the scent of rubbery latex getting in the way of the mood. Um, we only use fair traded latex, which means that the workers get paid a fair wage at the plantation and we're in clean, chic packaging. And finally, our brand and our tone of voice is real and relatable. We don't gloss over the realities being a woman in the 21st century. So what do you think, I mean, those are kind of the qualities that women want um, within a condom. You know, have you sort of found what it is that women are looking for broadly within sort of the areas of female pleasure or sexual wellness? You know, it's not just about products. And this is why I come back to the brand piece. Like by having a real and relatable tone of voice, you're building a community and harnessing a a platform and a culture where people feel safe to speak about such things. I think for so long in sexual health, it has all been all about, um, you know, that telling off culture. I'm sure the intention has been to educate, but it's come across as um, we must do this and we mustn't do that. And no one likes being told what to do. And actually what we've missed is, um, and this isn't just brands. I think this is why this is sex education as a whole. They've missed that holistic proposition, which encompasses pleasure, relationships, uh, gender orientation. The whole, the whole spectrum has been skipped. And actually they've just gone straight to penetrative sex. And that's not even the case yep. anymore. So I think there's a wider piece that, that needs to happen. And I hope Hanks are doing um, a sort of paving the way. You know, we have a really strong and engaged community. We write content um, that is relevant. You know, so we don't just write about latex condoms. <laughs> we write about fertility, egg freezing, um, relationships, uh, the whole spectrum. And I think we harness that. We've got a platform called Hanks Life, which is it's like mum's net, but without your mum, thankfully, where you can go and you can talk about anything and ask for advice and and it's that advocacy piece from our community. They're the ones that answer and uh, and support and give advice. And also coming back to what you were saying earlier, female pleasure is such a ignored part of sex education. It's been either, like very rightly said, wagging your finger saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing this or whatever, or sort of focused towards men, I think, primarily. But this whole idea of our bodies as women being capable of pleasure and sort of owning it and enjoying it and luxuriating it in, in with condom or whatever else you might choose to, to spend your money on, I think is quite a shift, I think, recently from how it's been for the last couple of decades. Have you seen that change even in the time that you've been working on Hanks? Yeah, I mean, I have to say when we thought of the idea and we pitched to investors, the the majority of the initial investor pool that we were speaking to were men. And actually they didn't understand or recognise that actually it's a universal thing, it's not a male thing. You know, some of them were like, oh, it's a man's job. Or like, is there really going to be uptake? Or what do you know about them? You know, you're two little girls in a male-dominated market. Mm. Uh, But I think things have opened up. I think more and more people realise that, uh, well, women need to reclaim their pleasure and their orgasms and female rights to that. 
And I think for too long, it's been about very plain, um, penetrative sex. that's all based around a man's pleasure. When actually, what about women? Like there are different ways to pleasure yourself and reach orgasm. And for too long, it's been centered around men. So um, when you began the whole journey with Hanks um, and you went home and told mum that, guess what, mum, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to make condoms. <laughs> what, what was the reaction like? So I'm very good at seeding conversations and laying the groundwork before I go in for the yeah. jugular. So uh, for a while, you know, when Sarah and I were thinking this idea, I had sort of seeded elements to my mum. I'm very close to my mum and, you know, my mum is a modern day feminist and certainly was ahead of her time back in, you know, the 70s, 80s when she came over to England. You know, she was one of the first um, in the Asian community to wear trousers and get a job and ride a bike and send her daughter to a university outside of the community. Like those, those are quite bold moves back then in a very small Asian community and she was heavily judged for it. Uh, but I think that's where I get some of my gumption from and, and some of that drive. So she she's a big role model to me. So, so I had sort of mentioned to her, you know, trends just generally like, isn't it crazy how X or this isn't designed with this? And, and slowly, you know, started with period care and then moved into and I was like what about condoms and I'm from a culture where if people were snogging on TV and you're in the living room like people would look away or like walk away it's like we don't talk about these things so you know even so much as saying the word condom to my mum I'm sure she's like what and but she very much got into it. For, her, for my mum, she was like, you are serving a purpose for female health. It doesn't matter what culture, race, religion you are. This is a you know, fundamental issue that you're addressing um, that plays a part at any point in your life. It's not just for teenagers. Uh, it, it's for adults. It's for young mums. It's for whatever a journey you are. Um, and she's passionate about female health and female rights generally. So she was very much for it. I mean, she understood the taboos that came with it. And I'm sure there was part of her that was thinking, my God, we can't marry her off now. She's She's no longer in banking. She sells condoms. Like, what does this mean? But she was very much for it. Um, and I think that helped ease the conversation when I then told, you know, my wider family uh, about this move. And it's quite funny how I, the, the sort of strategy I used, I was probably more emotive with my mum and probably more business-minded and entrepreneurial with my brothers. Like, this is the market. This is what it looks like. Um, this is quite funny, but they're super, I'm so lucky. I've got such an open-minded, progressive family and I have such great support. So um, I'm super grateful for that. This is so lovely to hear because, you know, uh, in my work, I come across a lot of women who don't have that kind of support. Yeah. So even kind of basic things, you know, they're fighting for. So it's absolutely wonderful to hear that your family's kind of behind what you do and supporting you like they are. What about um, the wider sort of South Asian community? Did you ever get, what's a nice British Bangladeshi girl like you doing, making condoms? Did you ever get anything like that? Well, I'm sure my mum gets that a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was quite funny the other day when I was with my mum, I think somebody had called or found out that I, they'd obviously found out what I do and had called and had sort of tiptoed around. So they were asking me, oh, what, what's what's your youngest daughter doing now? And I was like, oh, she's in London. They're like, oh, but what, what does she do work-wise? And so my mum plays with it now. She's quite funny to observe. She, I like that. She's like encouraging them to spit it out. And this woman couldn't spit it out. So my mum didn't. So she was at the end of that conversation. <laughs> mum known fine well. I mean, 
we were plastered on the Daily Mail like the first week we launched and given my background on, and also two female founders, you know, the press like it. So there is yeah. no doubt that the majority of the community that my mum is part of will now know. But no one has approached me and, and sort of said what they think. Equally, I do feel a little bit hesitant because, you know, the community has different generations and that's my parent generation. I don't want to disrespect them. But equally, my mum sort of said, look, well, if the you know, when I'd go to the mosque or something, um, drop my mum off, I'd always be like, oh no, what if, what if something happens? And mum said, it's absolutely fine. Like if they've got questions, I'm just going to feed you to the lion's bar because you're over 18 now and you've got to, <laughs> you've got to answer questions. So she's, I think she has a good time with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really brilliant. I mean, I get, um, not quite something similar, but, you know, with my work, I'm talking about sex and periods and yeah. all sorts of things on my kind of Facebook. If I, I don't know, post a picture of myself drinking a latte, I get like loads of likes. But if I put up a post about, I don't know, I'm talking about whatever, I'm talking about periods yeah. or something, there is literally nothing. So it's that silence, you know, you're like, okay, you're obviously uncomfortable, but you can't say it. It's still so taboo. And I think that will take a long time. Like, Sarah taught sex education in certain schools across London and there was a particular school in North London which was predominantly Muslim and actually women, the young girls, the majority of them didn't attend the sex education class because they had a slip from their parents that said exclude and that's what's really scary because I think... I'm not a parent, so I don't know, but I can only assume in some ways when you uh, when you come, you know, if you've come to this country or you're born here and you, you grow up in a certain community and you're taught a certain way of life and you don't want to deviate from it and equally you feel that if you're then exposing your kids to, to Western society, which maybe they think that with sex education, that they're then going to go off and have sex or run away. Um, and that's not the case. It's actually worse if they don't, because imagine, you know, depending on the type of, background we're talking here but imagine if your daughter d- does get married or have an arranged marriage and she knows nothing about about sex and what she can own in her body which is her whole body like and it's that whole consent there's a wider piece here and that's what's really sad because you know sex is taboo in certain cultures and religions and because no one is talking about it it's going to go on like that for generations so we need absolute trailblazers like yourself to not post lattes on Facebook and post other things to just get the conversation going I mean you know I'm sure you'll get pushback from it I'm sure I will too but if I have at least changed one person's perception and growth within themselves and knowing what's right and is their body then my work is done I'm happy to be burnt to a place to do that. That's really inspiring Farah, really really inspiring. Why is it challenging to society when women challenge taboos in culture? Is it because it threatens the status quo of how things have been for centuries? It's worked so far, hasn't it? That's what we are told. Well, it hasn't exactly worked for women. We have been raised in our cities and towns and villages to be quiet, to not ask too many uncomfortable questions to not be too demanding. We have been taught that the honour of our families rests in our modesty. We have been told that we must always be accommodating, quiet, smiling, eyes downcast, shoulders bowed. Why have we been teaching our girls 
to make themselves smaller, simpler, quieter? Why are we telling girls that there is shame attached to our bodies, to our desires? Will it ever change? Well, until it does, we will keep challenging society because we have to. So tell us maybe about um, any stories or feedback you've had from women who've used um, hangs and come back to you. Is there anything you're happy to share? Yeah, of course. I mean, without names, but just ones off the top of my head. And this is what keeps Sarah and myself going because we didn't come from this background. We're not product makers as such, but what we lead is with the heart and our vision. And I think that's what's got us these real core products that people believe in. And it helps that we're the target audience as well. So particularly on the lubricant side, we have like a strong following of plus 40 women, which is so nice for me because I know that initially our product probably feels to a younger audience and it is, you know, our condoms average, uh, audience average buyer is about 27 but the lubricant is faring so well with the plus 40 market because it's so natural if you think it's post-menopausal um so the lubricant is quite popular and we're not excluding any we're not discriminating against any age gender etc so that's what's really nice so we get a lot of comments around how we've made it more accessible it feels easy for them to buy it we've had women post as pictures of their handbag with it in with all their other products and they're not concerned that it's going to drop out people like what is that um we've also had women who are actually really trying for kids who have used our lubricant because it has no spermicides as natural we wanted to make it as close to your natural bodily fluid so it doesn't have any nasties and then the condoms is quite interesting we do get a lot of love from women being like i'm taking ownership um, it's so easy for it to slot in. And and actually one thing that stuck with me, there was a married couple that wrote in, uh, or she was married, and she said that Hanks is an absolute game changer. It's a conversation starter. She had had a couple of kids, and what's so nice is to be able to just slide the Hanks one pack across the table, and it was like a, a nudge just to, we're going to get our Hanks on tonight, <laughs> like amongst kids and the chaos. And that's yeah. so nice for us. Like it's that whole narrative. It's not just the product, it's what it means and, and how it can enable you know best lives so yeah they're, they're some of the comments I think it's wonderful I think for women to even feel like something's been created for us yeah with our bodies and our needs yeah front and center which we have so little of and I think like you touched upon this earlier and I, I'm sure there's other uh, books and conversations around how the world is designed not for women you know Lifts aren't designed for us. Buildings aren't designed for us. Condoms aren't designed for us. So, you know, so it's so refreshing to have something thought about with our bodies yeah. in mind. So I think it's, it's really wonderful. Why do you think it's important for women to talk about our sex lives, to take kind of ownership of our bodies, to talk to each other, to, to just talk about it? Because it's such an important part of our mental, physical and emotional health. It's so important. Like, and this is that whole point around, you know, sex isn't just about a man's pleasure and, and penetrative sex. Like, it is more than that. It's about the emotions attached to it. It's the pleasure. It's it's the feelings that you feel both mentally and physically. So it's so important that women talk about it. And, you know, I'm ashamed to say even in, our, even in my friendship group um, in my early 20s, we didn't really talk about it. Like, 
maybe because we were embarrassed. And I think times are changing. People are more open to talking about pleasure and reclaiming that pleasure and the tools that they're using and the toys and the, the audio books, et cetera. And I love that. Like, And for some people that might be too garish for them right now, but the more people open up and talk, the more normal it will become and the more desensitized people will feel around certain topics. Um, and I think for women particularly, it's super important we do that. Um, across all ages I'm not saying go and talk to your mum now about sex depending on if you're Bangladeshi you will struggle so don't do that I would advise you not to Um, well you could if you want um but just start to think about the other generation like you know I think about my nieces and my nephews and like I try and have more open conversations with them they're in their young teens but I want them to feel comfortable so like you know I want them to come be comfortable and say to me oh yeah I had a sex education class and they you know words like condom sex girlfriend boyfriend kissing yeah I'm sure a lot of parents are afraid of that but at the end of the day it's probably going to happen anyway so you may as well harness and foster a really good culture and environment for them to feel comfortable and educate them than for you to play dumb and assume they're not going to and be really strict because that's just going to push them away and also you take away the stigma from it yeah which you know it you know, imagine the years that you'll save your children feeling shame, feeling stigma around something that is the most natural thing in the world, right? Exactly. And I guess also with um, women taking ownership of things like contraception, it's quite an empowering thing, isn't it? To say, I'm going, even that act of walking into a pharmacy, picking up a packet of condoms feels like I'm taking ownership of this, you know, Um, the sexual act, I'm deciding if that's happening, when that's happening, how that's happening. So I think there's a huge kind of sense of power there as well. Yeah, and that's what we want to do. We want to empower women to take control of all aspects of their lives without shame or embarrassment. Um, You know, and and that, that can be daunting for some people who don't feel like it is their job or that it's not right, but actually this is your body. Like, you know, if you think a lot of girls, certainly people from my experience, have been pumped with hormonal contraceptives from a very young age. And whether that's uh, for sexual reasons or for skin changes or heavy periods, but you're pumping something into your body that you don't necessarily have control of. And, I, and I'm not um, uh, I'm not tarnishing hormonal contraceptives. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, like, education is key. You need to know your body. And the only way you're going to know your body is if you really look, investigate and educate yourself about what you're pumping in and around. And I think by having that ownership, that that power, you know, that knowledge is key. And I th- hopefully that will help women. We can make that a better proposition over time. I absolutely think it will help women. What lies ahead for Hanks? So... You know, it's been such an exciting journey. It's so different to anything Sarah and myself we, we've done before. Um, and it feels like our baby is, is grown up. She's in Hanks, is in toddler phase. Um, we're really lucky we've had such good support and all of our products are led by consumers. So, you know, our large size condoms or water-based lubricant were things that our consumers wanted and we asked them what they wanted. So I think I really want to hone in on that and still understand what more we can offer our consumers. Uh, We'll soon have a different range of condoms launching as well. But I think most exciting for me personally is the distribution. You know, I'm really pleased that we were able to crack Sainsbury's and Boots, Soup Drug, Holland and Barra, you know, brands that that are household names, but have been used to a stale category. And it's difficult to crack a category that 
has has not changed. So I'm really proud of that. And I really want to ensure that we can get Hanks in the hands of every single man and woman, whether they're shopping for their clothes or their beauty products or their groceries. And what's next for Farah? <laughs> A good night's sleep. Let's <laughs> I mean, start with that. I mean, what's... Um, What's really nice about Hanks is obviously Sarah and I, all the products that we build are products that resonate with us and other um, age groups and audiences. And we've always said, whilst Hanks condoms are the hero product, we've always wanted to create products all the way from your first time to your first child and beyond, just really serving female health. So what's next for me personally always ends up on the shelf with Hanks. I'm sure there'll be other products in the future that may be serving me better. But right now for me, it's about, um, you know, we're growing the team and I'm lucky for that, but I need to learn about work-life balance. And I admittedly am not very good with work-life balance. So for me personally, it's probably growth in that area and just reclaiming back this year we've lost with COVID. I want to go traveling more. I want to see the people I love and and really have some good quality time with them. That sounds absolutely wonderful. If you were to um, give three bits of advice to women around sexual wellness, contraception, sex, bodies, what what would it be? So a general one I would always go with that my mum has instilled in me is go with your gut. It's got your best interest at heart. And I never really believed it at uni and growing up. It was only when I went into banking that I realised she's so right. Like, And it's become more and more in tune. So definitely go with your gut. Um, you know, you know yourself better than anyone else. Take risks, take calculated risks. These two are less about sex, but if you have an idea or you or you want to try something, um, don't be the person that holds you back. Try it. What have you got to lose? And, and when I say calculated risk, you know, when we looked about setting up Hanks, we looked at the pros and cons, you know, um, and we really calculated whether we could afford to do it, like financially and emotionally and physically. And often like, Taking risks have never, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if you set up and if you set up a new product, what is the worst that could happen? It fails. Well, it's not really failure because you've learned and you've learned how to grow a business and it's character building and you go back to your old day job. Similarly, with other aspects, like take risks, you know, within your sexual life. I'm not saying go and get an STI, but if you're, if you want to try sex toys or get to know your body better, um, just, just try a new product. And then I think the third thing is really take time to date yourself. Um, you know, get to know who you are, feel confident in who you are and in your body. Um, learn about self-pleasure, like sort of when you nourish yourself inside and out, you will be the best version of yourself for everyone else and for yourself, most importantly. So I would just say learn to date yourself. I really like that. I'm going to try and remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Farah. It's been an absolute joy um, and pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for being on Masala Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about in this episode, please head to the show notes where I've listed some information about organisations which can offer help and support. I'm Sangeeta Pillai. Thank you for listening to the Masala Podcast, a Spotify original. Masala Podcast is part of my platform, Soul Sutras. What's that all about? Soul Sutras is a network for South Asian women, a safe space to tell our stories, a place to reclaim our bodies, 
to tackle taboos within our culture, to be exactly who we want to be. Get in touch and tell me your stories about your taboos. Check out my website, soulsutras.co.uk or get in touch via email at soulsutras.co.uk. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Soul Sutras. Masala Podcast was created and produced by me, Sangeeta Pillai, edited by Orbis, the studio, opening music by Sunny Robertson. Besharam, Batameez, Gandhi. Gandhi.